All right, Kev, welcome back after a uh, an exciting weekend of some team golf. Uh, playoff basketball is in full swing, coming off one of the greatest NBA performances I've ever seen last night when Jimmy Butler went uh, just totally unconscious uh, for most of that Heat game. Um, so with that in mind, I came to you with a with a question right off the bat. Didn't didn't prep you for that. We're into some basketball golf crossover trivia here. I uh looked, did my research. What are the five best golfers remaining in the playoffs as we record this on Tuesday night in terms of their handicap? Wow. The NBA players you're talking about? NBA players that are playing in the playoffs right now, five best handicaps according right, to currently. My quick research. One should be obvious, and then the other four yeah. had no. Cur- so Curry, Curry is number one. Zero point zero. Uh, from what I've yep. read, read anywhere from plus one point nine to two point two, which I mean, okay, like any of those three numbers, like you know. And so he's so he's well ahead of the of everybody else, right? He is allegedly even with one other golfer, and then pretty far ahead of everybody else on the list. Okay. Wow. I, I yeah, I would I'll be honest. I don't know of any other NBA players that I know, even golf. So I wouldn't even be able to guess. <laughs> no, the only other one that I thought of right off the bat is not like or not in the playoffs still. Like I know JR okay. golfs, right? Because I know okay, yeah, right. the whole like D3 golf thing. The two point two point is Austin Reeves of the Lakers. Wow, I never would have guessed that. Yeah, the only okay. thing giving it away is like like white boy from Texas, like probably picked up. Right. But yeah, two who points. else you who else you got? Next is a seven. So big jump after that, according to my amateur research. Any any guesses? He's a lefty. He's a lefty in the NBA. I don't know if he's a lefty golfer. Okay. Give the, uh, like a chance to uh Easter East or West. West. Western conference playing tonight. On Tuesday, Tuesday night, as we sit here, lefty playing tonight. Uh, I don't see. This is exposing my lack of NBA knowledge. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> I don't know who is who like is Conley. it. Ah, Conley. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, I know Ohio State grad. Yeah, okay. Oh, dude, I didn't actually career, and that just you know that just proves it again. Like just no no respect on the golf course <laughs> in the basketball arena. Okay, so he's number three out of seven. Number three, seven point oh. The next, okay. the next one is a twelve. Wow! Conference plays tomorrow night. Also, I would not have thought of this guy. Pretty well known player, multiple time champion. Yep. Tremont, close. No, Clay. Uh, oh, uh, Clay. Yeah, Clay. Yeah. I was going to say, okay, yeah. So they got they got Steph and Clay as a little duo there, and then the final one, thirteen point seven, okay. is the handicap. Western Conference again. So maybe this was a little biased to the rest of Western Conference, but thirteen point seven, an excellent bowler. Some inside sports info there. Hosts okay. a charity bowling classic. That doesn't help me. Okay, keep going. He's old. <laughs> He's considered by many to be a gigantic choker in the playoffs for many many years. Okay. Ryan Russillo dies on the hill for him every time we talk about the NBA. Uh, I don't know. He played for the Clippers. Played for the Hornets before that. Played for the Rockets a short stint. Played for the Thunder a short stint. Uh, oh, James Harden. No, no. 
Uh, Who else? CP. Oh, CP. I should have known that. Okay, yeah, that, that actually makes sense. I could see him being pretty good. Yeah, he's really an awesome bowler. Like him and him and Mookie Betts, weird, weird, like bowling efficient models. <laughs> but I did not know that actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's right. that's what good thought. to know. That's quite the discrepancy in handicaps as well. Yeah, it drops off fast. I was surprised there weren't many awesome golfers again according to like the internet so i, I didn't like search right. the base here of every player ever how does it feel to know that if you played in the nba you could be like the third best golfer that's yeah. true <laughs> the that whole field true. that is true yeah uh, that's that makes me feel pretty good that's about the only thing that fits with with me in the nba yeah i was surprised i know there are a lot of dudes that play golf maybe they just all suck like i, I i've seen videos of like tatum swinging i've seen uh Giannis hitting a ball I know uh, another name on the list that a couple retired guys like Kent Bazemore plays golf and is pretty good. Kyle Corver plays golf and is pretty good. He sort of looks like somebody who would play golf. That's why you love the sport though, right? Like, like NBA, you won't find better athletes than NBA players. And right. it just, it just doesn't translate to the golf course always. So yeah, it also makes me like, more jealous of Steph Curry than I already am. Like you, you're just not supposed to be able to have it all. You can't be this good at basketball and then also be like a professional level golfer. It's just not, you got to sacrifice in one area. Um, yeah. To see he was like a plus handicap at some point. Like, I mean, that's just wild. That's I mean, yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's, he's very talented. So it doesn't surprise me, but yeah, too, uh, too much talent probably for one person. <laughs> Share some of that. All right. I uh so with that in mind, we'll we'll get to we'll get to a little bit of a recap of the golf that um happened over the weekend. Uh I have to be forthright and say didn't catch a ton ton of the Zurich. Um, just there's too much basketball on right now. So that was uh that sort of prevented me from doing it. But I do know Nick Hardy, Davis Riley take home the win, two two young pros. Um who I think we've both been on at some point in this podcast. I know I'm I'm a fan of uh, Davis Riley, Nick Hardy, uh, you know another another great young player. But both um you know get the win, secure their their tour exemption for I think five years, and then promptly uh, Monday morning first thing withdraw from the Mexico Open this this week and and take a little break. Um, but yeah, some other things quickly uh, about the Zurich because I, I do want to get to our little uh, our little activity for the night. But uh, so I was on uh, Sung JM and Keith Mitchell. I really thought they played pretty well. Um, they shot an even on the final day as an alternate shot, which sort of kept them out of contention, but, you know, finished in solo sixth. Um, I know they were like, like plus 170 to finish top 10. So that was a good little hit if you played that. Um, I had Nikolai Hogard and Thomas Olison, our Thorborn Olison. Um, Nikolai Hogard apparently led the field in strokes gained. Um, at like 10 something. And then uh, uh, Olison was dead last in the field. So I know they, they ended up making the cut, um, you know, taking home like a top, a top 30 maybe, but never really in contention. But my sort of surprise from the weekend, if I'm going to take anything from it is Max Holma and Colin Morikawa just missing the cut. Um, that was, that was not expected. Uh, neither one of them looked sharp. Neither one of them have looked sharp for um, a couple weeks now. Uh, a little concerning going into the next few weeks. Um, you taken anything? Did you watch any of this? You taken anything from this performance? Like, you know, what do you got? Uh, 
I did not watch a single hole live. Um, and anything I saw was like tw- highlights or uh, stuff on the internet, Twitter, whatever it was. But um, yeah, a couple of things that I noticed just like following along on the app and things like that is it was like the difference in format. Um, like I was following obviously Cantlay and uh, Shoffley. It was, it was staggering the difference between their alt shot performance and their best ball performance. Like they're like best ball. They just could not get anything done. And then alt shots are shooting like eight on eight, nine under something like that. Just insane to see. Um, you mentioned that some of the staggering differences in strokes gained as well. So, and Sung Jay and Keith Mitchell, I don't remember what the exact number was, but Sung Jay was a staggering difference over Keith Mitchell in terms of how many um, strokes he gained. Uh, so sort of carried that team a little bit as well, I think. But yeah, it was nice, nice to see um, Riley and Hardy get the win. I, I didn't, to be honest, going into the week, I didn't even know they were playing together. So then to see them at the top of the board, I was like, wow, that would be a team that I would have loved to, to root for and have known about coming in. Disappointing for them to, uh, you know, withdraw out of this field because it would have been nice oh. to have at least a couple like it would have been solid. like a third favorite, like a Davis, yeah, been like the third favorite, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so disappointing to have them out, but you know, it is what it is. We got to make the best of what we got here, so uh, so we'll see how it goes, but. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about it. We've we've just danced around here for the last like 30 seconds. The Mexico Open uh this week being played at Vedanta Vallarta. Uh I'm sure that's the that that's the correct pronunciation there. A, a par 71 um monster of a golf course, uh, just just under 7,500 yards. It's actually a par 73 for like normal golfers, like at the resort, just sort of again speaking to the overall length. Um, but while it is super long, it is not super difficult. It rates as the 11th, 11th easiest um, hole or course uh, on the schedule this year by the stats. Um, it's long, but the rough isn't punishing on either side. There's not a ton of hazards. Uh, the greens are extremely slow and extremely fat, uh, extremely flat, um, which I guess, you know, would neutralize a lot of the putting. So I'm sort of looking this week at, all the bombers. Um, I don't know how you're feeling about, about this tournament, but the course, you know, we'll get to the field in a second, but the course itself, like pretty straightforward profile from, from what I'm, what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting to, to see the difference of um, this course has, or this tournament has historically been played at a course called um, Chapultepec, I believe is the name, which was uh, also in Mexico, but incredibly high elevation so uh also incredibly long but but being at that much elevation kind of um minimized the effect that it had and that the, the ball would just travel much farther than than it normally would this course is i believe uh much closer to sea level so it, it will play closer to to the true length that you have and yeah you're going to see a lot of um approach shots from like 175 yards and up and even 200 yards uh, and up as well. So a lot of long iron play, different things like that. But as Ed mentioned, not very punitive. Um, The rough is not punitive and also around the greens is not difficult to get up and down. So it doesn't play incredibly difficult. It's really just the length, but um, as we've seen historically, like length is not enough to uh, kind of put PGA tour players off balance. So um so I don't expect they'll they'll tear it up, but I don't think it's going to be a, a super difficult test either. 
Yes, yeah, so I'd say sometimes the rec the resort courses that are played are, are a little easier because again they're tailored toward like tourists. Um, this one should be sort of a mix again, like an easy an easy approach um, to the course, but you know just because of the sheer size of some of these holes, like they got a six hundred and five yard par five, which is you know at the the longest that we'll probably see uh, for for weeks. Um, but the story of this tournament for me is is the field, and it's basically John Rahm. Uh, very, very large gap, Tony Finau, very, very large gap. And then everybody else, in my opinion, in terms of like the skill level here. Um, some of the names I know me and you were texting earlier, like I'm looking down the board today, sort of looking at people that I like, and it's very rare considering how much golf uh, I watch and that we talk about it weekly, but I legitimately just don't know some of these people. I've never heard of some of the golfers that are playing this week. Um, and, and not the ones at like the very, very bottom of the board either. Like there are some mid tier names that I just don't know. And overall, like just a very, very weak field. Um, so going to be tough to bet. And, you know, more importantly for our sake, uh, sort of tough if you've already used those two aforementioned studs, um, you know, to depend on your pick to, to be a solid cut maker. Um, but that's sort of the only interesting part for me. Like, I'm not super interested in this tournament, if I'm being honest. Like, like John Rahm coming back, uh, you know, he won last year. Sort of just my my thing is just, is he going to win or is anybody else I don't super care about going to win this week? Yeah, for sure. Um, field, as you mentioned, incredibly weak. I, I, you know, I don't know if it's ever within the past, like, multiple years that I've been following golf to see names in I texted this to you earlier, but to see names inside of a hundred to one that I've never heard of before. And I can pick out two, actually three, uh, Vincent looking, Norman, looking two, Vincent Norman. I don't know who that is. Harry <laughs> Hall. I don't know who that is. And MJ Defu, I don't know who that is. So <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. So I don't know where I'm sure I'm sure they're great. I'm sure they play on some other tour that I've just never heard of. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I I alluded to this earlier in the year, though, is that like I, I don't mind the weaker fields so much. I'm not saying I'm like looking forward to this tournament, but in terms of like picking for a survivor, at least at this point in the season where we have enough data and enough sort of like knowledge of like how these guys are playing. Um I it's it's not the worst thing in the world in terms of like picking somebody that you feel like is going to be good. Whereas like normally, you know, where you're you're not Wyndham Clark, for example, is the third <laughs> the third favorite in this field. He's right. normally a guy like that you're like, come on, yeah. He, he's been playing phenomenally and like, but like he's normally a guy where you're like, okay, you know, you're taking a little bit of risk on him. You you might throw a flyer and hope that he just plays well, but he could also play really poorly and miss the cut. So like, that's just got what you're going to get this week. But uh, you know, him compared to like most of these other guys in the field is like a, a pretty good spot. So um, just a different perspective, I think. And and it'll be interesting to see how people play it. Yeah. Some variety maybe in picking and, and, you know, getting to, getting to watch different dudes. And, and I do want to say like, it, it doesn't make, it's almost like to me, like I'd rather see this field without Ramen Finau uh, for some reason. Like I, I do, you know, I talk a lot about how I think these designated events just being like over and over and especially like the no cut format is stupid. And then I can't at the same time, if I'm going to call myself out, say something like I'm not excited for like basically what amounts to an, uh, you know, like an upper class alternate field event here. Um, so 
I like I am going to watch this. Like I get excited to watch some of these dudes. And there are a lot of guys that we've talked about and know that I like watching play, but like having Rom is just sort of like Thanos at the top right there. Like I feel like we could be headed for a situation where there's just not a whole lot of drama here if he just dominates this this place. Um, you know, it's a course he's had success at and then you know, a, a, a long course without penalties and, you know, without tough greens, like you're going to get the best players usually shooting the best scores. So, you know, pretty good shot that that he's going to come out on top. So I ask you, uh, Rom or the field this week, he's two, 260, positive 260 to win outright. I, I don't know what the odds would be like him against the field, like 10 to one, 11 to one, maybe like we're not at tiger numbers yet. But I do feel like I haven't seen under three to one at a tournament in a very, very long time. So this is some this is some respect being put on that dude's name. Rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well deserved respect. Uh, If if I had to choose, I I would still take the field, maybe somewhat with my heart, Uh, but also with my brain. I think that, like, you know, just winning what he's done so far this season, obviously, is just incredible. It almost makes me like kind of just wish that you took like almost a more simplistic approach. It's so hard not to be a a prisoner of the moment, but if you look at like Scheffler's trend up to winning the masters last year, just have like a couple significant wins, like everything pointing in the right direction. And, and, and of course, after it happens, it seems so easy, but the same thing with Rom, like, Obviously, like the amazing beginning to the season, had a couple like mediocre starts and just everybody's off him. And then and then, of course, wins the Masters. So but I think just like that much winning and and this much success is just incredibly difficult to sustain. Now, will I be surprised if he goes out and wins? A hundred percent not. Am I going to actually back it with any money taking the field? A hundred percent not. But if I had to gun to my head, pick one or the other, uh, I'm just going to take the field from a pure numbers and game like gamesmanship perspective. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. How do you feel? Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there just by the sheer numbers, but I I do think, I do think he's going to win the tournament. I mean, but again, at, you know, 260, I'm not putting money on that. It's just not really worth it. Um, he's he's one to three to finish top 10, which again is just crazy, crazy. Like it takes one bad round to throw yourself out of that, but he's just, you know, they, they're giving him that much respect. Yeah, not not super fun to bet, like, you know, I don't know, four point underdogs in basketball numbers at a golf tournament where there are 150 dudes in it. Um, so yeah, practically. I, I'm not putting money either way on that. If there were odds like Rom versus the field, because I feel like the field would be obviously a huge underdog. But yeah, I think he's going to win. He's obviously deserving to be the favorite. But yeah, we'll, we'll see if he can get it done. Yeah, we and we mentioned too. Well, I texted this to you a little bit, but I, I listened to a couple things. So just people debating about like DraftKings prices. Not that we focus on DraftKings too much on this podcast, but uh, you know, obviously he's priced it. I think it's 12,000 this week, right. If I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah. you know, pretty high price tag, but the, the people I were listening to compared it to his price tag um, at the players, which was 11, eight, only $200 less and probably arguably the strongest field that we've seen, you know, this year to date. So uh, just talking about like the difference in, in DraftKings pricing and like the, how it's sort of the range of it, basically where they, they only price from 6,000 and up which kind of just makes it limited to how high you can price the top favorite guy. So I, I would think that if I was playing DraftKings that like 12,000 is almost a cheap price to pay for John Rahm at this uh, in this field. Now, 
obviously you're probably not going to like the bottom of your lineup too much, but like, uh, I don't know. It's just hard. It's interesting to see, like, if you were going to put some lineups together, how would you go about it? Like, are you just going to full fade him or I, I really, I don't know if you can, honestly, like in, in like the prize pools, like GPPs and stuff like that, I could see you doing it. But, but if you're playing like double ups or like 50 fifties, I think you almost have to take John Rom because uh, if, because if you don't, I, I, I just don't really see a, a path around around it. Like I don't, I don't see him not top tending. So I, I don't, I don't know if you have thoughts on that. But yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. Where especially that last part, like I, I don't see him finishing outside. Like his his floor for me is like a top ten. Like that's you know that's a, that's a pretty safe start to your lineup. But I, I don't play many of the 50-50s. I play all the GPPs. So in those lineups, I was sort of messing around a little bit today. It was really tough to put Rom in a lineup and get anything at the bottom that was worth, you know, its weight. Um, but you know, maybe he'll be in one, but you know, out of the you know, four or five that I entered, like I'll probably only play him once just because I hate I, I'm not really a studs and duds guy. Like usually, even in the bigger fields, like I'm sort of picking from the the middle, upper middle class, so to speak, of of everything and getting like a pretty well, well-rounded lineup and hoping to go six for six pretty tough to go six for six, making a cut with Rom and then two dudes that are going to be in the low six thousands um, out of necessity just because of the pricing. Yeah. So there, there it's sort of, I, I could see both sides. That's a great, you know, great way to take a stance right there, but <laughs> it just, just depends on what you like, I guess. Yeah. So I know, I know the field sucks uh, in terms of overall quality, but I do, I, I do have some picks here that I like, and I'm going to put money on this week. Um, you know, all, I guess all over the board a little bit. Um, and then I have a couple fades that I'll also be putting money on as well. Um, but my my first pick is is going to be somebody that I've repeatedly used on this podcast and just repeatedly, I think 100% of the time, been wrong about. Um, but it'll be the same story as usual. And it'll be Luke List at 60 to 1 outright. Uh, but for me, top 10 at 5 to 1, I think is going to be my actual play. Uh, you know, that I would recommend. Um, I like the 60 to one price for a couple bucks just in case, but um, for, for a long, a long hitter, who's not going to be penalized by the rough and the greens where the putting will matter the least that we'll see for weeks. Like if it's not going to happen now, it's probably never going to happen this season for this dude. And I'm just going to keep being wrong. Um, He has been in terrible form. Um, he showed a little bit, a little bit signs of life over, over the weekend with the, with the Zurich, but um, like I said, this, this fits his profile and it's either now or never. So I'm going back to the well one more time to start uh, at the five to one at the five to one only is my recommendation. Love that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, probably my, my favorite play in the field is this is from every, you know, from one and done, or even from a betting perspective uh, is Gary Woodland. I just love, love the way his game is trending. I like, sort of where he's like rounding into form, even coming up to some of these majors coming up. Um, so he's a guy I'll definitely be keeping track of. Um, looking a little bit further down, I like Will Gordon at 50 to one um, and Taylor Pen- Pendrith uh, as well. Both those guys sort of fit that like bomber um, profile that we're looking for um, and pretty weak putters. You know, the, I forget the grass type that this is on, but supposedly it starts with the a slowest PM. slow. I forget. I can't even pronounce. I saw it today. Can't even pronounce it, but I know. It's yeah. So, but supposedly it's, it's basically supposed to neutralize like 
pretty poor putters. So uh, if you're looking, if you're looking for guys who are good with their long irons and, and bad at putting, like Luke, like Luke Liss, Taylor Pendrith, all these guys are going to fit sort of that mold. I like Matt Wallace as well. Um, I know he won recently, but um, kind of I just like his game overall and, and a guy that I usually root for. So there's a couple other names I'm looking at. Yeah, I had Pendrith as well. Um, I like the the top five prices, eleven to one. I like that a lot. Um, I like Nikolai Hogard. I know he. I had him at the had him. At, I think I've had him every tournament since he's been here. But a young bomber, and, and honestly, like if it's not going to be Rom, like his form has been incredible recently. So thirty to one for me, a pretty good number on him. Six to one to be in the top uh, top five. I think I'm going to put some money on that thirty to one number. Like I just actually like him to win this tournament again. If if not Rom. Um, just hits the ball a mile uh, and is a young, you know, has gained uh, strokes uh, in the in the approach proximity that we're going to see the most, uh, you know, 150 and out. Um, and then again, you mentioned Taylor Pendrith, who I like. Um, I got two fades to to miss the cut this week. Uh, those odds are available um, somewhere. Uh, but here's my first one. It's it's Maverick McNeely at two and a half to one to miss the cut. And my reasoning for that is, you know, he's probably the best putter in the world right now. And that's where he excels in tournaments. So in tournaments where that's not really going to be an advantage for him um, and, and a guy who's, uh, you know, w- without that tool, doesn't hit it a mile and has sort of been battling like a shoulder injury on and off, hasn't looked great, uh, hasn't, you know, hasn't played well, frankly. Um, so at two and a half to one, if a, if one of the you know one of the guys at the top of the board is going to do it, um, I, I like him to sort of have an off week. Um, and then with that same description, Alex Smalley is uh, one seventy five um, to to miss the cut. And again, just a guy who excels in the short game and where that's not really going to be a big advantage. Um, I don't want guys who don't have the distance to match up with some of the guys at the top of the board. So. Um, those are my two fades uh, of the week, and, and I sort of, I sort of like those two plays a lot, actually. So nice, I love that. Let's go watch um, them win the tournament. That's you know, yeah. probably work, but it could happen. Um, yeah. All right, so a couple guys I'm looking at a little bit further down uh let me see here oh i got brandon Wu is not too much further down but he's another guy that i like i think he's listed at 60 to 1 um he's just been very consistent uh makes made a lot of cuts over this this season and just consistently like top 40 top 30 finishes so uh, i like him in this field as well uh lucas glover is another guy i like a lot uh can't putt for anything so this course is perfect for him um and then uh, smotherman i believe i also read something i think he won this event or, or at this course like when before it was a pga tour event back at like the beginning of his career uh he's listed at 250 to one so definitely a long shot there but uh another guy i'll be looking at for sure i don't have any fades this week i don't if i had to pick one fade towards the top um I have their odds pulled up so <laughs> if i had to pick one it would or two i guess i'll go with it would probably be patrick rogers or maybe Finau. if i had to i don't know tony tony has just been kind of like worrying me he, he's been seemingly playing like his b minus game and like still top 30 and top 25 in but I don't know, just kind of disappointing season from him thus far. I was hoping for more out of him. And um, I don't know, that could go one of either ways. Like he might start to get hot here towards the rest of these majors coming up or 
you know, sadly he might go the other way. I don't know, but um, I don't know. Tony's never, he's a guy that in my heart, I, I always want to play well, but never a guy that I have like a super ton of confidence in where I can really need to make cut that I'm, that I'm super 100% confident in. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't know. I, I It's six to one for him to miss the cut. I don't see how he could play poorly enough in this field to to do that. Um, So I can't I can't back that with you. But I will say, like, Tony is a guy like like there are some guys that we watch every week that I feel like I have a good handle on when they're playing well and when they're not playing well. And if they're going to be a good fit. Like I can never get Tony right, no matter what, like when I'm on him and it seems like the course is a good fit and the event and the form and the timing and everything fits, like he doesn't show up. And then just out of nowhere, you know, we'll have a top five at, you know, the shortest course with like the toughest greens ever. It's, it's just weird. I can't, can't really figure him out. Yeah. He seems to, that, yeah, that's exactly right. He seems to just surprise you in, in so many ways, whether it be good or bad. Um, Unfortunately, because I, I really wish and think that he obviously he has the potential to, uh, you know, have a ton of success, but hopefully that's coming for him soon. So we'll see. Yeah. All right, dude. Uh, I want to touch extremely quickly. Uh, did you watch any of the live event in Australia? Uh, I did. I watched a lot of some of the concert scenes, some of the beer chugging out of the, the shoe scenes. Um I mean, it, it looked like a huge success, to be honest. Like the the crowds were amazing. Like it, it seemed like it had a ton of of like buzz and and just people were interested in it. And I don't know from what from what I read and people's feedback, it seemed like the the best live event to date. I, I didn't watch a lot of the golf live, but um, I don't know. That was sort of the sentiment that I got. I don't know. Yeah, I feel the same way. I watched a little bit, just a touch live, I would say, just to check out, you know, the first, I've never seen a golf event in Australia. It's on at like 11 o'clock at night, which is pretty cool for, to watch a little bit. Um, Looked like a crazy atmosphere. So I think that is, you know, they're, they're hitting some places, I will say, from a strategic standpoint that, you know, just big, enthusiastic populations that love sports like Singapore will be next week, Australia, um, you know, I know they were trying to do like a like a replica of the environment around 16 at the waste management with like the watering hole. But that did look crazy when like, you know, Chase Kepka makes a hole in one. Everybody's dumping beer just like at 16. Looked pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, Taylor, Taylor Gooch gets the win. Uh, the most annoying dude in the world, like back in our lives uh, after a couple of years out of the news. Um, I don't, you know, don't really yeah. think much of him. But yeah, yeah it's interesting, fun. like the. I think Liv is doing a good job, as you mentioned, with like the global aspect of things. I remember watching a press conference a while back that involved, um, you know, obviously Cam Smith and then uh, Mark Leishman, obviously two guys from Australia. And they spoke about that being one of the key factors for them going over that tour is that obviously Australia was going to be a stop that they, you know, played at and Greg Norman, obviously from Australia as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're doing a nice job with that. And I think that, um, I don't know. It's gaining a little bit of momentum here. I think it's kind of like a lot of issues that we're seeing nowadays in like politics and everything where you have these like very much outspoken two sides who are coming out and like voicing their opinion very loudly. And I think the vast majority, like the 80, 90% are like, I consider myself in this percentage just kind of sitting back and like waiting and watching and seeing what's happening and, and like willing to accept both sides. And I think, I think the players are willing to accept both sides as well. Like, I don't think it's as big of a deal for them 
in terms of like PGA versus live as it's made out to be in like the golf media per se. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't, I, I've obviously watched a ton of PGA tour and, and know the courses and know the history and, and my heart is always going to, you know, be with that, but I'm not anti live and I don't root against it. I just, I, think that they're going for something else. And I, I hope that they can like sort of find their own identity and, and ultimately like they can figure this stuff out with the, with the official world golf rankings. And, and we don't lose out on uh, these guys appearing at the majors. Cause, cause that would be really unfortunate if, if we did. Yeah. Yeah. You put it right, dude. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the players echoed it at the masters. Like there was not really much tension. I know John Rahm was just on a bunch of podcasts after winning, obviously, and said the same thing. Like he, you know, enjoyed his time with Brooks, like the media sort of drives the divide, but they don't feel that way. There weren't like, you know, there weren't any fist fights. And that's sort of the picture that you got was there was going to be this like Western showdown at the middle of the driving range where like Phil and Rory like duel to, you know, decide the, decide the fate of golf but it is sort of settling right in the middle. Um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed it. I think, um, yeah, I think it's, it, it can be what it is. And, 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 you know, like, like you said, it's sort of the middle ground between the two opposing sides. Like it's not a joke tour. It's not a, a, a you know, a um, everybody takes the money and everybody sucks at golf, like sort of one side paints it out to be. And it's also not like this revolutionary must watch every second, like exciting thing that live makes itself out to be. Um, it is, it is some cool golfers that you like seeing in some cool places with some interesting, you know, differences in atmosphere. Um, I will say like, since the masters, like it almost feels like a turning point in the hostility. Um, I know Zach Johnson, who's going to be the Ryder cup captain for the U S has come out and said, like, you know, he's not excluding live guys. Like he doesn't say, he didn't say he was going to include them either, but he said that it's sort of going to be up to the, the six you know, the six auto qualifiers to see their opinion. And if it's, if it makes sense, he will consider it. And that, you know, is not something that was even like remote possibility a year ago when this started, like it was all these bands and there was just no, nothing considered at all. Um, so it was good to see that. Cause I would like to see like a Dustin Johnson and a Brooks Kepka on the, on the U S team. And, and that would be, you know, uh, I think a great thing for the, for the team itself as well. Um, but yeah, it feels like it's feels like we're settling into the two niches. Um, you know, PGA on one side, live on the other side, and they're finding finding a, a couple of defining qualities going forward. For sure. Yeah, it's been it's been good to see that. And I hope just some of like the hyperbole and like the like you said, the the live like social media and all that stuff is just so loud and it's like anti-PGA tour. It's just I think it's it's almost I've said this before, but it's like doing a disservice to because their their product is qual they have a quality product and they're they're like you said they're going to cool places like it doesn't need they don't need to shit talk like the PGA Tour as much as they do I don't think like I it's slow and it's it's growing but like I I think that again if if, if it's cool and and it's a good product like you don't you don't need to you know downplay the competition like people will just be drawn to it and i think that's they just need to sort of bide their time and wait for that to happen yeah no i've enjoyed it i've enjoyed both for what they are and that's sort of where where i'm going to be for the foreseeable future um all right dude that was good stuff uh last thing i wanted to do and i've sort of been excited for this all day is our our prompt for the night was going to be our, our biggest pet peeves as players. And I'll give you sort of the backstory for why, uh, why I wanted to go in that direction. Um, so I, uh, 
I've been looking to try to actually get better at golf, like all winter um, and starting off the season. I've, I've tried to do the same and failed, um, but I've been reading a lot about, you know, strategy and whatnot. And Tiger Woods has five, like five rules of golf that you can't do. And they all happen to be like things that really set me off to like on the course. So those five rules are, and this is again, if you just want to be better or are his rules to be good, you, you can't make double bogey. It's number one. You can't bogey par fives. It's number two. Can't three putt. You can't bogey from inside 150 yards and you can't miss easy up and downs. Now I'm, I'm never going to be somebody that can satisfy that fourth rule that you don't make bogey from inside 150. That's a tiger rule. Um, I've done all those things. I was going to say, and (laughs) and here's the thing. Like I do the other four, which I consider like sort of reasonable to shoot for. Um, I do them every round and it just like, I'm usually a pretty calm dude and I've tried to mellow out over the years, but those like, especially three putting just get under my skin really bad. So I've, I asked you, I came up with a little list and maybe we can just go rapid fire back and forth of like your biggest annoyances, pet peeves, whatever, when you're playing around what you're playing, et cetera. Um, so I just named one and I'll, I'll emphasize it again. I hate three putting so much, so, so, so much. And every time that I look back on my round and where I could have done things differently, um, you know, the three to five to now, however many extra putts that I'm taking because I suck, um, like just stand out so much. Like there's just no reason to ever do that. Like you get, you get two, uh, and, and that's, you know, that's just bad. Like, uh, like I, so I was reading like handicap correlations, like of, of how many putts, like certain handicaps take and like anybody sitting around me, like e- like from seven to like 15 in the handicaps, take like around 30 to 31 putts around, which I found low by the way. Um, but I have been like 10 over that this year. And it's just like, that's a lot of freaking strokes in a round. So that's, yeah, that's my number one pet peeve on the course is, is three putting just, it just, yeah, it really sets me off. Yeah, so that makes us think you gotta, we, we just got to fix the putting and then you'll be, you'll be a star, but it's like, you know how it goes. <laughs> that's not actually how it works. Like you plug one hole and then you've spent like, you know, you're not practicing something else and that falls apart. Like, it's just never going to be good, but putting seems like a pretty easy thing to not suck at. And that's all I want to yeah. suck at. Okay. So this is interesting. Yeah. So, okay. I didn't really consider things about my own golf game that set me off in my list okay so but that's interesting i can think of a couple right i mean it's not hard to think of them so i can i can add a couple to my list as well but number one for me i think is um like talk like poor golf etiquette and i don't care like 90 percent of golf etiquette i do not care about at all but like talking in someone's backswing or like while someone is about to hit, I can remember, and these are, I have like vivid memories of these like occurrences in my mind of like standing like on a tee box with somebody and just watching like somebody else get ready, like get into their setup and someone else in the group is like talking to me and I'm like trying, you know, I'm not going to just like tell them to shut the fuck up, but like, I'm not like looking at them. I'm I'm like sure I'm like one word response like cutting them off like trying and my the whole time this is happening like my blood pressure is just rising because like I and and this is funny because I I cannot remember one single instance 
where I was hitting the shot and somebody talked and I got upset or I felt like it affected my shot. But it's when I'm watching somebody else get ready to hit and someone oh. else is talking, it really gets under my skin. I don't, I don't know why. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I also have memories of that as well. And I know the feeling that you're talking about, like you want to, you want to, in your mind, literally just put your hand over their face and just be like, well, just wait, like, just give me 10 seconds here. Yeah. All right. I, I love that one a lot. And in the same vein, speaking of things on the tee, my, my number two pet peeve is we'll put it in the slow play category, but it's not just slow play. I don't, I understand that sometimes you're going to move slow if you have a rough hole or if, you know, something else is going on. I get that. My, my pet peeve specifically is not being ready to play when it's your turn to play. And in my mind, I have sort of things where like when somebody else is hitting, uh, you're on your cell phone or you don't have your club out or you writing your score down. Like when it's your turn, it should be your, like you should be ready to go. Uh, and now if you're routine, it like, it's not, not, not even picking apart like routines here, but just like a mentality that you're, you're, you're good. And you're going to not, I don't know. You're just going to pay attention. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know how to narrow that down more, but again, it's not like, not like pre-shot routines. It's not putting slow. It's not, it's not taking a long time because you hit a ball out of bounds and you're trying to find it. I, I understand all those things. I do all those things, but I will say I do pride myself very much on at least being close to hitting my shot when it is my turn to play. Oh, and one more thing. Again, this is, I, I'm actually like starting to get a little fired up here. Like there's nothing worse than on a tee box on a busy day when somebody else in front of you has taken a copious amount of time to get ready to play and now it's your turn and you are now having to rush along because you have to make up some time on the back end and you feel like you feel like you know you have to compensate for this this asshole that has done whatever yeah Ooh. yeah not not being yeah. ready to go okay yes yeah slow play of course is so okay the number one thing about slow play is there is no level of golf that you can reach where slow play is celebrated right like we have even seen at the pga tour level if you play slow like it's just not going to be received well and the best thing about slow play or or lack thereof i should say is you can be the worst golfer in the world and still play fast like i unless like if you're just going out and having a like a round with your friends or just like you know having fun whatever like i if I hit like one or two balls out of bounds, I'm almost like not going to play the rest of the hole or I'm just going to drop it like in the fair. Like I, I I just don't care enough about like the shot. Like, like I don't know what I'm gaining by and I don't care enough about my score, like quote unquote, that, that I'm just going to spend time looking for that ball. Like I'm just on to the number one, like I just want to move past that shot mentally. And number two, like I just want to move on with the round and 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 play the next shot. So like slow play for me, the most when it gets under my skin, I would say is when it's like, I hate waiting number one. So like if you're waiting on a tee box for the group in front of you, that's where it bothers me more. If you're in my group and you're playing slow, like I almost don't care to the point where like, I'll just start playing in front of you. Like I, I'll even play out a turn. Like if I'm ready to hit my shot, like I'm just going to hit the shot. And like, just as like a subliminal message to get you to move along. But like, yeah, I, I am always like, I, I take a second to think about the shot that I want to hit. I commit to it. And then I'm hitting the shot. Like there is no downtime in between. And when it's my turn, like I'm, I'm just always going to be ready um if only for like i i think that any kind of like second guessing when you're trying to like decide what 
shot you're going to hit is never a good thing. So once I'm committed to it, I'm committed to it, whether it's right or wrong. And, and that's the shot I'm going to hit. So I don't know. That's a good, that's a good mentality. And yeah, I, I think, I think of like the people that I enjoy playing golf with the most and you are up at the, like near the near or at the top of that list. Like they're all people that play fast. Uh, and, and again, it's not like a quality specifically that I'm looking for, but they also happen to be, you know, fun to hang around with, but it is nobody that I enjoy playing with has the quality of playing slow. That's just the, you know, it's an exclusionary category. Um, all right. My number three is, uh, when you order beer in the pro shop and there is no way to carry it while you're walking. And what I mean by that is there's no bag of ice. There's no bucket. Uh, like if I order three, more than two beers, uh, I need a carrying device and my favorite courses in the world to give me a plastic bag full of ice, like I said, or put it in, you know, an old, like uh, an old six pack, like cardboard, something like that. Um, so that's not like, you know, that won't, won't make me upset, but it's just extremely inconvenient to walk, which I like doing, uh, and have to carry, like I said, more than two bottles uh, you know, one in my bag, one in my hand, drinking one, the other is with my balls, you know, getting shaken up or whatever. And it's just, yeah, it's a bad look. So if you're in the pro shop and you're listening to this, like just get a, a plastic bag, like a plastic shopping bag, fill it with ice and just dump those babies in there and make it easy for your customer to get around the course. That's it. Yeah. And then you just make the the person in the group who shot the worst on the previous hole has to carry the bag. That's all it is. It's, it's so simple. That's yeah. Uh, no, that, <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. Beers at the turn, obviously a must. If you're playing 18, we know all about that. So yeah, gotta have a, uh, a reasonable way to carry them for sure. Okay. My next one, I have a couple more good ones. Um, my next one I'm going to say is like, um, kind of course employees like whether that be the starter or the ranger or just guys like riding around the car whatever it happens to be kind of like um over enforcing like uh not just pace of play but like rules around the course i guess so i can think of a couple specific examples and i actually asked um I was in school today. I was talking to a member of the pool, uh, Jimmy Donlin. So he, I, I stopped by his classroom today and he gave me this one. So he said, he mentioned in particular a specific course, uh, Trollbrook, which I've played there. Very nice course. Uh, but he said, uh, the starter there, like, even when it's not, uh, busy, is just like on your ass, like try, like keeping the pace of play up just for seemingly no reason at all. And, so that's one example that he gave another one I can think of. And I, it pains me to speak ill of this course, but uh, at Braintree municipal once oh, come on. uh, I was playing, <laughs> I was playing with my, uh, my good friend, Cody Duff, who was in the pool as well. And then his friend from uh, Vermont, Doug, uh, who I had just met for the first time that weekend, but we played a, a great round, 18 holes, Braintree. I love the course, as you know, um, but we're coming up on, I think it was towards the end of the round. And I'm full disclosure here. We were uh, intoxicated. So at this point in the round, like just trying to get home to the clubhouse, like just, just trying to finish it out. I think we're on like 16 or 17. We had admittedly, I will be the first to admit the cart was pulled up too close to the green. Like it, it was, Then that's fine. I'll admit that. But this guy comes well, I have up. to take the ranger's side in a second? Wait, what is this? Okay, so, so he, he okay, I, I have no issue with him like calling us out. We were in the wrong. But he drives his cart up 
and parks it next to ours and then tells us that our car is parked too close on the green. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm like, now we got two cars too close to the green. Like what, <laughs> like what are we doing here? Like you could have just told us like from the thing. And of course, again, like, like we were in the wrong, like too, like drunk, like not making good decisions. I, I'll be the first to admit that. But just the way that like some of these guys, like do, like, do you really care that much about the condition of the course or do you just like telling people that they're in the wrong? Like that, that was the issue for me. Yes. Yes. Is the answer to probably both of those questions. Yeah. I'm a, so I'm, I'm anti anti Kevin when it comes to pulling your card up too close to the green, but to your point, like, so you just doubled the damage now to tell me like, thanks for, thanks for doing that. There couldn't have been any other way where we could project our voice past, like, you know, past the five yards that, you know, are, are in limited territory to, to get that done. Yeah. I like that. All right. My next one, again, we're going in the slow play category here. Um, if you drop a second ball or take a second putt, that shit's got to be fast. There's no pre-shot routine for that one. There's no, you know, there's no lining up that second one. That ball that comes out of your pocket needs to get hit like within five seconds of you putting it down. Um, if you're hitting shots that don't count, those shots do not, do not get to take time. And uh, I, you know, I, I know some people that do that and it's just, it, uh, yeah, it really, it really piles up. And then like on the green, um, if you're going to count a putt from two inches, either way, uh, don't hit it or hit it super fast. There, there can't be any in between. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess a corollary to the slow play category is, uh, you know, time spent over shots that don't count is, is another, uh, another pet peeve. Okay, um, my next one is going to be for overall like group uh, morale and just like being somebody that people want to invite on like a golf trip or just want to golf with in general. Okay, so this is number one mistake I think of like if you're a young if you're a younger uh, or you've just started playing the game and are just learning. The the biggest misconception that I see is that when you're like first learning you think that like everyone is in judgment of your game at all times. And that when you're playing poorly, like everyone else is having a bad time because you're playing poorly, which simply could not be further from the truth. In it's reality, no one actually cares how you're playing at all. It's if you make it into like a spectacle. And as I said, like you're dropping another ball and then taking second shots and reading them. That's when people get annoyed. Nobody actually cares that you're playing poorly at, except for you. So if you are playing poorly, try to take your mind off that and encourage someone else in your group. And then maybe like you might start to stop being like so hard on yourself and just like try to again say something positive or just like be somebody who's fun to be around and like who who isn't going to get pissed off when they're playing poorly because it, I, I hate to break it to you but it's going to happen to everybody at some point yeah if you're if you're listening to this podcast i would imagine that you're subject to having a bad golf day at some point yeah. And like you said, when I was going through my favorite, my favorite players to play with in my brain, I've been very purposeful to not like, I, I know people that do great things and bad things on the golf course, but most of, but, but for a few, the most people that I enjoy playing with are not, it not scratch golfers. And they just happen to be, you know, cool to hang out with for four hours. And that frankly is like goal number one, a of getting out on the golf course. Like I like playing good. 
that that is great, but I'm trying to get away from my stresses in life uh, when I'm out in the course. So don't like stress me out while I'm there. Um, and everybody, everybody wins. Um, yeah, I got one more very quick one and maybe we'll wrap it up here, but uh, excessive cell phone usage on the course is a bad one. Um, I like uh, take it out, put the Spotify playlist on. Um, I know my brother discovered one uh, at one point that was like the golf cart mix. Find that one, play it, put that shit away. Again, I'm trying to get away from my emails and my texts for a few hours. I've chosen to spend that time with you. Choose to spend that time with me. And don't get me wrong, like check whenever, but you know, five, five minutes total would be like my, my sort of rule for the most part. And there are exceptions to every rule, but you know, like I said, enjoy your time outside, put that, put that electronic thing away for a little bit, drop your stress. hundred percent. Yeah. Golf, uh, should be as frustrating as a game as it is. You just got to learn to, to be out there and, and enjoy the people that you're with. I think you said it best. Um, I can, I want to say maybe over the last three or four years, there's two rounds of golf for me that, that truly stick out that I, that I have memories from different starts. Um, and I'll say one of them was the round that you and I played at Braintree, uh, the tournament that we played together, the handicap tournament, like last spring, uh, oh, was the most fun I've ever had in a single golf tournament. Number one, obviously like we had a lot of success, but like, the group that we were with, the people that we were around, you know, I love playing with you always, obviously. So uh, just just like an incredible atmosphere, fun tournament, love the course, everything just kind of like just just came out great. And then the second one, it, it was um, playing with my dad for Father's Day last year. And again, because like I, he's just somebody I've played golf with since I, you know, knew how to play. And so, you know, that's just always somebody that I look forward to. To, to playing around with we don't get to play together too much unfortunately um recently because we just don't live close to each other but i always look forward to those uh the father's day rounds you know when we get a chance to have them so yeah for sure i love that dude i love that let's end on a positive note i love that list that's a good list a cautionary tale for anybody that's going to be playing like don't do any of those things uh you know at least if you're going to play with me don't do those things um this is a this is a cool event this weekend. Enjoy the golf. Uh, you know we're getting down to the stretch here in our our specific pool. We have you know only one untouched le entry left. So Tom, like you know, really good job so far. Um, you know I hope I certainly hope that luck begins to end uh, because you know I'm trying to trying to weed this out and and win this. Um, but yeah, man, this was a good time, uh, and I look I look very 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 forward to next week. Yes, sir. Uh... Celtics get the win tonight. They're they're up they're up at halftime. We're at halftime right now. They're up right now. Uh, All right, that would be that would be a good start to the night for sure. All right, man. All right, sounds good, man. Enjoy. All right, peace. Peace.